this is the way. And this is our sermon series that we're talking about where we're going and what we're doing. And, and here at our church and, and casting vision. And, and today, this morning, I'm going to start on some of our values that we're going to go over the, over the next few weeks. And we're going to hit a couple values every, every Sunday. But what we're, or if you caught it last week, if you didn't, then here it is. But our, our mission, our, our mandate as a church here is empowering people, fulfilling destiny, and leaving legacy. Now, there's a lot in that, and Pastor Greg talked about it a little bit last week. But um, as, as, we, as we talk about the direction of our church and the things we hold value to, we, we put it under the umbrella of this is the way. Okay? And um, I just... <laughs> I want to say something about that because if you are unfamiliar with the Star Wars, the Mandalorian, then this is totally lost on you, okay, a little bit. Now, will you still understand the mission of, yeah, of course, you're still going to get all of that. And this is the way, well, this is the way we are going, you know, this is the way we believe God is calling. This is the way we know where he's leading us to, to live. You're going to get it. But the, some, some of the, like, this is the way. You're, it's going to be missed a little bit on you, so I want to give you a little background just in case. Okay, um, the Mandalorian series is on Disney Plus, just so you know, that's where it comes from, and um, it's it's a, this theme of this is the way is something that runs through the show. Okay, the bounty hunter, who, the Mandalorian, who has found he has found himself due to some circumstances um, caring for the child. Okay, the child is Baby Yoda, although it's really not Baby Yoda. If, you, if you've looked into that, it's not the real Yoda because Yoda predated the child by like 855 years or something like that. You're like, wow, you know a lot of information on this. I'm not even like a Star Wars person, okay? We just happen to watch this series. Okay, uh, sometimes you just, there's nothing to watch. So uh, it was fine. It was fine. So anyway... That's, so the Mandalorian, the bounty hunter, gives his life to keep the child, the little baby Yoda, who is so cute, so cute, so cute. You should watch the series just for how cute he is. I mean, I'm just like, I want him. Okay. So it's his mission to keep him safe and to return him to his people, the Jedis. Okay. So that's the whole thing. And the code by which the Mandalorian and his, and his people live is this is the way. So throughout the show, you'll hear over and over where they're going in a direction. So it's like, why are you doing what? What? Like, I don't understand. This is the way. This is the way. So it's repeated over and over and over. Star Wars in and of itself has nothing to do with our church. Okay. <laughs> or the direction in which we're going, just in case that confused you a little. Uh, it's just the approach, and if you love the Mandalorian, you're going to love the theme. If you don't, you, it's pretty much irrelevant to you. You won't care either way. So um, I hope you'll like the messages, though. Uh, the next slide is a meme, especially for you guys who are fans. One thing would be funny if, out of all of this, if we just inspired you to watch the series. <laughs> Nothing else, but, like, you watch the series. Um, but you'll get to see a little baby Yoda. It's so cute. 
So anyway, before I get into the two values that I'm going to hit up this morning, I just want to read over all the values so you know what's coming even the next few weeks. Um, Here they are. A standard of excellence, a posture of serving, a focus on Jesus, a culture of honor, a heart for generations, a commitment to authenticity, a lifestyle of generosity, and a resolve for diversity. Now, that's a lot to hit, to hit, but we believe that we already see a lot of these themes in you as a people and as a church, and then some we are working towards growing us all there together. So this is exciting. So this morning, I'm going to talk about a standard of excellence and a posture of serving. A standard of excellence. We believe that serving Jesus means giving him our best. It might not be perfect, but it will be the best that we can do with the resources that we have and the time we have. It's human nature to compare, right? Am I right? You, <laughs> we constantly compare ourselves to others. We constantly compare our physical appearance, our fits, our houses, our cars. We compare our jobs. We compare our titles, our vacations, our children, our marriage, our friendships. We compare our education achievements and our, even our likes and our dislikes as if my preference is somehow superior to yours. It is not. And then, and then there's this. We compare our Christian life, our spiritual maturity, the amount of time we serve the church. We compare. We, we compare the, the movies we watch versus what other Christians watch. We compare how holy we are and how lesser, you know, other Christians are in that department. They're carnal because they do these things and we don't do these things. Comparison kills. Comparison kills. It destroys families and friendships. It breaks down churches. It impacts work environments. If you've ever been a part of of an unhealthy work comparison kind of environment, it's toxic. Comparing ourselves to others is not good for many reasons. But one of which is what it does to us and our self-worth. We feel less than when we compare. We feel like we are not good enough, and then we somehow feel like we have a need to be better, yet we do not know how to achieve that. One of Teddy Roosevelt's famous quotes says this, comparison is the thief of joy. We can have excellence without comparison. We value the standard of excellence here at our church, and it is not based on comparison to the latest and greatest church that we see on social, but it is to Jesus and him alone, okay? Because comparison is never okay unless the standard to which we are comparing is Jesus, and that is always okay. Because he is who we aspire to be like. It's okay to compare my life to Jesus as a goal to reach. I will never reach it. (laughs) 
I will never be perfect, but with my eyes on his standard, I will always reach the level of excellence possible for me in this life. With the resources he has given me, the time he has given me to work with, a standard of excellence. Jesus is worth our very best. Jesus is worth our very best in this church and in our lives. And when he came to the earth, the Father demonstrated that standard of excellence by giving his very best, which was his son. There was nothing more excellent than Jesus. And in the sending, the Father was saying, this is the way. This is the way, not only the way, the truth, and the life, but this is the way of excellence. I only give my best. And to follow, we must do the same. So I'm just going to quickly go over a, just a, a few questions about excellence that, that maybe we would ask ourselves. Well, how, first off, how do I, how do you walk in excellence? See, to live excellently is to go above and beyond what is required of you. Because we can all do basic, right? But walking in a spirit of excellence does not come naturally. However, we have been given the power to live that standard because of who lives in us and through us. 2 Peter 1.3 says, Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been given, deposited in us by his divine power. Okay? So for all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by his name and invited us to come in through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. Wow. There is a lot in that verse. We have been given the power to live excellently. Number two, well, what are the benefits of being excellent? <laughs> it's kind of a funny thing. <laughs> Those who have achieved personal excellence live a very productive life. They enjoy healthy relationships, and there's an inner satisfaction I personally do not think it is possible to live excellence for Jesus if you don't have that same resolve to live excellently personally, okay? Like in your own day-to-day things. I believe that they're intertwined. I don't think that I can live excellently in the church, but then in my home life, just do whatever. I don't think that that's possible. That is just, you would be like constantly at war with yourself. So on a personal level, I believe that it would manifest as, as, um, as one's best efforts. And, and this, this would be different for everyone because everyone's standard would, is different. And we're all at different levels. So at home, you're going to have achievements that you want. Okay, I want this level of excellence in this way. You know, and sometimes, you know, this is something that is important to me, you know, as an individual. And so if there are things that, you know, if I'm walking by something in my house and it's not, you know, up to a standard of excellence, sometimes I'm like, I'm so tired. I just can't deal with it right now. And I walk away and then I'm like, no, I'm going to call myself higher. I'm going to go back and I'm going to do that. And I'll go and I'll pick it up or whatever. I'll correct it. And, And because of that, there's an inner satisfaction that comes that I did something that was, maybe I could have just let it go or was a little bit hard in the moment, 
but now I have kept myself at that standard of excellence. It is not perfection. They're not the same. Okay, we cannot be perfect, but we can live excellently. In the church, it's a little different because excellence, so at home, you know, you define your excellence. In the church, excellence is defined by the leadership that God has put in place and expressed through the community at large. So we all contribute, but we don't all define it because you know how complicated that would be if we all begin to define what excellence looks like here? Messy. You know, it's, so it's defined from leadership and then it's in, by the community at large, we all participate in that, okay? And that'll begin to show through in all areas of our church. Number three, so who besides Jesus, because that's the obvious answer, and I knew if I'd say it, you guys say it's Jesus, has a spirit of excellence in the Bible. Well, I'll give you a little hint. Shelby talked about this person two weeks ago. <laughs> Shelby's like, wait a minute, <laughs> who did I talk about? The prophet Daniel. Daniel lived an incredible life that was marked by success and favor at every turn. And the Bible explains what made this possible. John Corson's commentary on the passage in the book of Daniel, he said this. He said, Darius realized there was an excellent spirit in Daniel. Daniel 6, verse 1 to 3, let's read it. It says, Darius reorganized his kingdom. He appointed 120 governors to administer all the parts of the realm. Over them were vice regents, one of whom was Daniel. The governors reported to the vice regents who made sure that everything was in order for the king. But Daniel, brimming with spirit and intelligence, so completely outclassed the others that the king decided to put him in charge of the whole kingdom. In another version, it says that Daniel was distinguished above the presidents because of the excellent spirit that was in him. Verse, let's keep going. Verse 4. The vice regents and governors got together to find some old scandal or skeleton in Daniel's life that they could use up against him, but they couldn't dig anything up. He was totally exemplary and trustworthy. They could find no evidence of negligence or misconduct, so they finally gave up and said, we're never going to find anything against Daniel unless we can scheme up something religious. Come on. The incredible story of Daniel marked by excellence, how he handled the struggle of the law, how he maneuvered through the challenges of King Nebuchadnezzar and then King Darius, and he, he carried himself so well as he was faithful to the Lord and as the Lord was by his side. This is something to aspire to. Number four, and the last question, why does God care? about excellence. Like why would that be important to him and then why would that be important to us? I've already kind of alluded to it, but God does nothing short of excellent himself. Because he cares, we should care too. We should always be striving to be excellent. Being excellent at what we do to the will point back to the one who gave us the ability to live this way. See, it brings glory to him. Why does God care about excellence? Because that is who he is. Why should we care? Because it's going to bring glory back to him. 
this is the way, this is the goal, to bring glory. It's not just to be excellent, it's to bring glory back to the one who created us, to model him in the best way we can, to show the world around us the goodness of God, the excellence of God, and the love he has. See, excellence is not only a value, it is a discipline. And it means for making our community here at our church. And then when we're out there, a better place. It is a discipline. When I picture excellence, I picture like like this type of stance. Like where you're just like, you know, you're just, I am excellent. The next value we're going to talk about is serving. When I visualize serving... I visualize this stance. They may seem contradictory, but they actually work well together. Before we get into serving, we're going to have a quick intermission. You guys think I'm joking, but I'm actually not because we're going to pass out some sermon snacks. So I'm just going to have my helpers here. There's two things. There's cookies and then there's candy. They are going to split the room a little bit. So if if you get the cookies but you want to hold on, you want the candy, just like wait. Does that work? Just wait for it, wait for it. So, okay, so over here we have um, Teddy Grahams, Animal Crackers, Chips Ahoy. Over here we have Skittles and Starburst. So if you're like, want to hold out for the other, just give it a second and they will be right with you. And as they go, I will continue. A posture of serving. A posture of serving. If this is your first time and you've never experienced Sermon Snacks, well, welcome, because every once in a while we have Sermon Snack Sunday, and you just hit a good one. So there's that. Come back again. You just never know what's going to happen. Don't try to figure it out. I don't even have it figured out. I just, it's random. <laughs> so there's that. A posture of serving. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And he demonstrated this with a towel around his waist, washing his friend's feet. Guys, this is gross. It's so gross. Okay, do you know what they walked in back then? Okay. This is like cleaning porta potties. Gross. I'm not even kidding. Okay, so they didn't wear closed-toed shoes. They didn't have boots for the rain, for the mud. There were no paved roads. It was dirty, dusty, muddy, and poopy. Literally. Animals had the freedom to relieve themselves wherever. There was, like, no special spaces for them with signs that says it's okay here, it's not okay here. There was no little, like, poop bags to pick it up afterwards, you know, or you'll get a fine. There was none of that. It, and it wasn't the cute little doggies. It was, guys, there were like horses and, and, and donkeys and camels. Oh, my gosh, camels. Sick. This is what they walked in. This is, this is why the washing of the feet was actually a thing. You know, because you can't bring that into, like, a public meeting. You can't, you have to wash your feet before you go in. You can't bring that into someone's house and they've, 
brought you over for dinner. It doesn't matter that the house kind of has like an outside ground still. It's still gross if you're going to eat. So this washing of the feet thing, this was like something that they did. But the smell alone would be sickening. So they, ha- they had to do this. I mean, some people have smelly feet even without any of that. I'm telling you what. Hopefully he's not going to be watching online today. I, it should be fine. Okay, but uh, one of Craig's roommates back in Bible college and a friend of mine as well. I'm telling you what, the feet smell. Like there was nothing wrong, but there was so much wrong. <laughs> I mean, you could smell it through the apartment down the hall, I think outside. I'm not sure, but it, it was so bad to the point, and he was very self-aware and a clean person. So it wasn't that, um, which you probably very much appreciated. And he would, he was so self-aware that he would wash his feet every day, several times a day, because he had such bad smelly feet. Okay, so he didn't walk in camel poop, but he had smelly feet. So can you can imagine this, and Jesus cleaned feet. See, we, we in our, our Christian cultures, we have these uh, foot washing ceremonies, services and stuff. I don't know if you've ever been to one. <laughs> it's been years since I have, but I have. And um, they're purely symbolic, okay? They're symbolic, and it's kind of like an, an act of, of, you know, serving. Um, but even if you're like a foot, like, hater, like you just can't stand feet, this is still not serving, like it's referring to in the Bible here. Like it's still like not that bad. Today, what does this look like? Today, this could look like um, fixing a toilet, you know, in the, in the restroom back here 10 minutes before you're supposed to preach. Today, this could look like cleaning up a mess that maybe um, someone who's living on the street has, you know, made in our back alley. What does it look like for you when you serve? Because I know you have your own examples. And I'm not even talking about myself. I'm talking about my husband. Because, and not to prop him up, because please don't prop him up. Because if you, the minute you prop him up, he's going to do something really to disappoint you, and then, and, like, and then he's going to come crashing down, and it's, you're going to be so disappointed in him. So just, he, this is not to be propped up. <laughs> it's so true. But this is things that he, he does. And these are things that I know that you guys do, it, your, your own examples of the ways you serve when no one's looking. The things you do that no one knows about, just because you care. The level of uncomfortable, if we maybe begin to share with each other about the ways we serve when no one's looking, it feels a little awkward sometimes. Like, oh, you do that? I didn't know that. Gosh, thank you for doing that. The serving. It's because we care deeply. It's because Craig cares deeply. It's because you care deeply why we are motivated to serve. 
That's why. Think about it. Think about the ways that you serve your spouse that they don't know about, your kids, your work environments. This is the way. And I know that serving is something that we do because I see it in you, but I also know it's something that we can get better at, that we can grow in, and that we can encourage each other in. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people that do the least amount of work with the lowest amount of energy for the smallest amount of time. <laughs> this is the opposite of the way, okay, just to be clear. Um, and there's always that temptation, I feel, to be that person or to do that thing because it's easier. And it's never fun necessarily to do the hard thing. But our motivation should be to outserve each other, Okay. Our, our motivation should be to go counter to the culture that we live in. You know, that, that if, I, if, if I see you moving something, uh, you're lifting up that chair to, to move, you know, to another room or something like that. My motivation should be, let me take that from you. You don't need to do that. We were, um, many years ago when we were first starting out in ministry, we were running a school of evangelism, and we took our students to um, like a, a church that does a lot for the community so that they could serve and things like that. And they had to set up every Sunday because they didn't always have their, like their worship center set up for church, so they were putting out chairs. And their uh, lead pastor of that church, I mean, he was just like a serving machine. You know, we were watching, we're like, this is, this is just so cool, you know, to see this. And because in some churches you would see it, maybe where the lead pastor wouldn't do anything and everyone else would serve, right? And it was just such a cool example for us to see as very young pastors in ministry back then and also for our students to see that. So, because servant's always been so important to us. So we're just seeing this guy and he's moved here. But as he's doing it, this, this might have even been even cooler than that. There are people walking up to him, his staff, his, um, like, Church members, um, kids running out. Oh, oh, Pastor, don't, I, let me take that for you. And literally, he would go get another chair to sit up, and then someone would take it from him. And then he would get, he never stopped, but they never stopped either. And it was like, it was so comical, but so awesome to see them out serve each other. And in the serving came the honoring as well as they out honored each other. It was beautiful, beautiful. I've never forgotten it, it's marked us. Our motivation should be to do the most we can do with the most we can give for the greatest amount of time possible. Does that mean doing everything all the time? No, that we can't do that. But it does mean jumping in without being asked, right? It does mean um, maybe changing your posture to I get to give. I don't have to. And then when you're asked to do something inconvenient, when something is like, ugh, I don't really have the time for that. I don't really want to do that. Not always maybe having my defenses up so high that the, my default is, no, I'm not sure, or I might be busy. What if we changed our default to yes? I mean, this is just, just a tweak, just an adjustment. What if I changed... My default answer to yes. Sure, I'll serve. Yeah. 
And now I, I, I know you have to balance this with, you know, taking self-care and, and help, you know, making sure you're present for your family and things like that. But there could be just a, a difference of attitude even where your default is yes. And you're like, yes. And then you're, you maybe think about, actually, I already have something. So I can't, I actually literally can't do that. But instead of our default being, I don't know, I'm busy, I'm not sure. Mm, changing our default to yes, I will serve. Yes, I will give. Yes, I will sacrifice because Jesus is worthy and he did it first. And I'm doing it for him anyway. See, Jesus taught that the greatest of all would be the servants of all. I will never be great. I will never advance. I will never promote. I will never see the dreams of my heart fulfilled when my serving lacks. It's biblical. Maybe if you've, you've been wondering, you know, there's been times in my life maybe I've wondered, well, why haven't I been promoted for that? Or why haven't I gotten that? that achievement, maybe we could check our serving gauge. Maybe not. Maybe sometimes it's about timing, right? But sometimes it's just about what we're doing while we're waiting for that promotion. What are we doing without being asked? What are we doing when it's not on the stage? What am I doing when I'm not up here? What am I doing when no one will ever find out? See, to lead, I must serve. I will never be a good leader until I'm a great server. This means to give. And this is not a means to get, but just humbly to give. It's a biblical truth, and there's actually no way around it. So let's talk about serving just real quick. Number one, serving uncovers abundance. When you serve, you begin to see that often the most important things you have to offer are not actually things. You have inner resources that are greater than your outer and your tangible ones. Your time, your presence, your attention to people. The ability to give of these resources comes from a heart from your heart, a place much deeper than the material. It's so easy sometimes just to hand off the material things. But when we are going to serve out of our heart, out of our time, out of those things, it's a little harder. But those are some of the greatest things. You'll discover a radical shift from me to we when we begin to serve, especially together. We'll begin to realize that we are actually more valuable together than we are apart. Therefore, I'll serve you, and I'll give myself more to you, and then I will be getting to see it come back the other way. And as I, as I do and as we do, we'll see more opportunities to jump in everywhere we look. This is a process of, of a, just a shifting, like I said, from a me orientation to a we orientation. And we start to look at people and situations as opportunities with an eye for what can I offer them. You stop thinking, what's it for me? I wonder, wonder what I'll get back here if I just put in a little time. It's a shift from consumption to contribution. And this is our church. We're not consumers. 
It is not about what we can get when we come to church. It's about what we can give. It unlocks abundance, and our cup will overflow. We'll be so fulfilled. Number two, serving expresses gratitude. When you see the goodness of God in your life, you will have a heart to serve in any and all situations. This does not have to be personality-driven, just so you know. You can learn this. Because some people are like personally, they're just that way, you know. But it can be an acquired behavior, okay? So daily choose to see the good. When you're thankful for God's provision in your life, you won't be able to contain it. You'll have to give to others. You'll have to serve others. Um, <laughs> choosing to see the, the good. I just have to mention this because it's, it's true and funny. Um, but a, a few weeks back when um, we all had COVID, and um, Faith specifically, <laughs> she caught it. She got it from work, uh, and then, you know, that happens. And she, so she was the first one, and she's home, and and she got her test back and was positive and things like this. And she's talking, and it's it's like, like oh my gosh, like it hits you, like oh my gosh, this is actually happening, you know. And there was a few conversations that she had. Where she's like, I'm just trying to see the good. I'm just trying to see the good. I'm trying to focus on the good. Because there's so many bad things, right? If, if you've had COVID where you're like, okay, I'm now isolated. And she was supposed to go back to school because it was after Christmas. And now she's going to miss the first couple days of school. And then she's going to fall behind. And there's all the, there's these lists of bad things. And, you know, what, what if I get really sick and all, all these things. Can't see my friends, missing on these parties, blah, 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 blah. You know, it was like... Um, there's a few functions that were happening that we're not going to be able to participate in. But she's standing in the kitchen and may have been crying, not sure. I think you were. Yeah. And she's like, I'm just trying to see the good. <laughs> I'm just trying to see the good. And she starts listing off some good things. And I'm like, that's so awesome. Isn't that what we need to do? Just choosing to see the good in our daily lives, no matter what is happening. God is still good, and we can see the good. And that turns that selfishness that we all have into selflessness. And that's how we're able to serve in every opportunity, no matter what the circumstance in our own life is. See, service doesn't begin when we have something to give. It comes naturally when we have nothing left to take. This is the way. Number three, serving changes me. How can I help? How can I help? This is a question alone that does something on the inside that is transformative on the outside. How can I help? Even the smallest act, like holding a door, serving a cup of coffee, putting gas in your spouse's car. <laughs> this is not a subtle hint, just in case you guys were wondering if I was just like dropping it, just throwing it in my messages. I mean, when we lived in winter, I would have been dropping those hints all day long. Okay, I don't mind it so much here. Winter, getting gas, doing anything in winter, guys, it's hard. Okay. Even the smallest act. It's like, how can I be of use to this person, this organization, this city, this place? How can I help? You cannot be a self-centered person when you think this way. Impossible. 
If this is a question that goes over in your head over and over all day long, every day, how can I help? You will not be a self-centered person. No serving act is ever wasted. We don't serve to be thanked. We serve because he first served us. To serve unconditionally will take practice and constant effort. (laughs) You're not born that way. It's a realization, though, when you give, you actually receive. It's not the why, but it is the truth. Now, this brings me to this question. Is it possible to do a selfless good deed? Now, if you have ever watched Friends, you know what I'm alluding to here. There is an iconic episode that we are going to show a clip of right now having to do with a selfless good deed. Look, there's no unselfish good deed, sorry. Yes, there are. There are totally good deeds that are selfless. Well, may I ask for one example? Yeah, it's, you know, there's... No, you may not. (laughs) That's because all people are selfish. Are you calling me selfish? Are you calling you people? Yeah, well, sorry to burst that bubble, Phoebes, but selfless good deeds don't exist, okay? And you know the deal on Santa Claus, right? I'm gonna find a selfless good deed. I'm gonna beat you, you evil genius. Man, that show has been around for a long, long time. A selfless good deed. Does it exist? Does it exist? Because when you give, you actually receive. It's not the why, but it's the truth. A selfless good deed. Now, I don't actually know the answer to that question. If you can find a selfless good deed, I want you to tell me about it. Because every time I think of something good to do, you always at least feel good about doing it, right? So then that gets you something back. If you can find it, that is your mission. Let me know, and we can challenge this friend's clip. Number four, serving honors a deep connection. An ongoing small act of service will cause an unending ripple effect. Rachel Naomi Riemann puts it this way. When you help, you see life as weak. When you fix, you see life as broken. When you serve, you see life as whole. I was reading an article this couple weeks ago, and this is an excerpt from it. It says, when we increasingly choose to remain in a space of service, we start to see new things. The needs of the current situation become clearer. We become instruments of a greater order, and consequently our actions become more effortless. When a group of people, now a whole group, perform this kind of service as a practice, it creates an ecosystem that holds a space, allowing that value to emerge organically. All of this indirect value, the ripple effect, has space and time to add up, to synergize with other ripples, and then multiply into something completely unexpected. See, to create a space where this is the way, 
will take work. It might not be natural at first, but in time, the ripples will continue to see unpredictable outcomes that will bring us only good. We can build with strategies and plans, and we will have strategies and plans for where God wants to take us. But to place more emphasis on togetherness in serving, in excellence, and things like that will ensure the ripples that will continue to emerge from years. Maybe at first we won't see the effects, but even in the unseen, they will be there. They will impact Mother Teresa said, we can do no great things, only small things with great love. I mean, this woman made a difference in the lives of millions. I'm pretty sure she did a few great things. But it's a matter of what we focus on. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Be on guard. Stand firm in your faith in God. Act like mature men and be courageous. Be strong. Let everything you do be done in love, motivated and inspired by God's love for us. See, it's not just the doing, but it's the motivation behind the doing. So we will have excellence and we will be the best servers that exist. But our inner motivation behind our actions will be love. Let everything we do be done with with love, in excellence and in serving. As Jesus lived and as he breathed. Let's stand as as I pray. You know, he is just worthy of it all. He is just worthy of it all. Just take a moment with him right now and just welcome him into your space, into your mind, into your intellect, into your emotions. Holy Spirit, you are welcome to come into our thoughts. You are welcome to come and take direction right now and take leadership I ask in this moment for revelation and inspiration in our thoughts, in our concepts, in our understanding, that you would bring life and breathe life on the words today that have gone out, that we have heard, that you would bring dream and vision to attach to it so it wouldn't just be good thoughts and ideas of what could be but we would take a hold of it with our actions and with our love and begin to walk out of here in a new form a new level of excellence, and with a new resolve to serve. To be like you more. Father, we ask 
for a lessening of ourselves. To make room for the more of you. We ask that we would be nothing in and of ourselves, but we would be consumed, possessed by the Spirit of God. That we would emulate, that we would replicate, that we would be ambassadors of heaven, living lives that reflect you and you alone. Let people know you by the love they see in us. By the glory pointing back to you is how we live our lives excellently at work, at home, at church. And how we serve at work, at home, at church. We know that nothing is wasted in you. We pray that as we commit to come together as a family, as a community, and do better, that the ripple effect in our church, in La Mesa, in our region, and across the nations of this world would be felt by us. We know, I know, that you can take this group in here and turn the world upside down. I know. So, Father, just pick us. <laughs> Choose us. We say yes to you today. If that's what you want, just say yes. I say yes to you today. I say yes to you today. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Come on, and everyone said, Amen. Amen.